You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm your host this week, Evie Rupp, and wow, I am excited to dive into today's show. We are going to cover a ton of your questions that you posted in the Heart and Hustle Facebook group. So if you want to have your question answered on a future Q&A episode or have input on what topics we cover on the show or you are just ready to have a dope community of badass entrepreneurs, then join the squad. The link is in the show notes of today's episode. All right, so today's show is gonna be fun. I'm so excited. We are going to talk about how to speak to body image and insecurities in clients as a photographer, whether or not you might be quote-unquote boring if you're getting ghosted, and then how to fix that, Tips to finding your personal branding style, especially if you're just getting started. How Lindsay and I do it all. I wish you could see my air quotes because hint, we don't. But I do talk about time management and prioritization in that answering that question. And then finally, last but not least, how to write and think of caption ideas. It's going to be a good show. So buckle up and let's dive straight on in. Cue the theme song in three, two, one. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Hey, hey, friend. Oh my gosh, this is such a fun... I feel like I'm just sitting down with you with... Uh, like a cup of chai or if you like coffee, a cup of coffee. Obviously, you know, I don't, but (laughs) I feel like we're just sitting down with a good beverage. There we go. And having a friend chat about all things business and strategy and all of that. So thank you to every single person who submitted questions for today's show. I was only able to pull a handful, but we are keeping those questions for later shows, topic ideas, later Q and A's, all of that good stuff. So Like I said before, if you're not already a part of our online Facebook group, it's just such an incredible community and it's such a fun place for Lindsay and I to connect with you. So make sure you are a part of the Heart and Hustle Facebook community if you want to have a squad at your back and you want to have input on future shows. So let's get started with today. The first question is from Courtney and she says, I have a question as a photographer. I find in almost every session I do, clients, especially females, but definitely males too, point out their physical insecurities. It's so natural to be insecure about the way you look. I'm not immune to this myself. But my question is how to respond in these situations and help people feel most beautiful in front of the camera. I don't want to tell them that they are wrong, even though I feel they are gorgeous, because that is their truth. Any tips would be gratefully received. Genuinely feel it is part of my purpose to help people feel beautiful and see themselves the way God does fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts, but first of all, Courtney, thank you for submitting this question. I love your heart in this so, so, so much. And I can tell you, I relate to that feeling of longing and like hungering to 
speak life and beauty and purpose and identity into our clients. That's such a big part as a photographer, such a great opportunity to speak into them and into their identity. So I want to start off first and foremost with the question of how often does this happen? Because I definitely have clients occasionally pointing out insecurities, but you stated that this happens at almost every session. And so the fact that that's the case, I would first and foremost, this is brutal honesty, just cutting it to you straight. I'd first and foremost assess how you're doing as the photographer to make them see their beauty and worth throughout the entire process with you. Because if this consistently is coming up and clients are consistently pointing out insecurities and mentioning insecurities, and you can tell they're feeling insecure during sessions or you know even heading into the sessions, I would put a question mark over the photographer in that situation. Just because If you are praising the heck out of your clients with phrases like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Dang, you guys are sexy. Okay, wow, you are precious. You two are seriously so perfect together. That type of thing, being genuine, it really does make a difference in your clients. So it sounds like you already see the beauty and worth in each one of your clients. And I love that. So my encouragement, first and foremost, is to freaking call that out every single chance you have, which is a lot on a session. So, and I think... That's just my first thought is make sure you as a photographer, because that's one of the number one mistakes I see a photographer making is that they're so focused on you know, directing and the settings and, you know, the surroundings. And there's so much going through your head as a photographer, which is natural. I get it. Trust me. But it's very easy to forget to praise the heck out of your clients. And then that might lead them to feeling like, are we doing okay? Do we look okay? Oh my gosh. You know what? I forgot to shave under my arms today. I, she's seeing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have to point this out. I, this, you know, it it sends them into a spiral of thoughts of insecurity and negative self-talk. But whereas when you, have the uh, the space and the mental capacity to really speak into them and praise the heck out of them it changes the mental game as the models as the couple as the client and i can speak to that from personal experience as well i've shot obviously on both sides of the camera and the sessions and the experiences where i've shot on in front of the camera so i've been you know modeling or posing whether it's myself or me and landon or something like that It's been such a game changer when the photographer has been a little quiet when when I'm in front of the camera, when Lane and I are in front of the camera. It it's very, very hard to enjoy what you're doing. It's also very hard to feel confident and beautiful when the photographer's just dead silent taking photos because you're like, wow, we suck. And I recently did a shoot. Um, actually, it's not that recent, it was a little while ago, but I did a shoot where I was shocked at how subpar the experience was when the photographer wasn't speaking to us. And it just reminded me yet again of, wow, like it's so important to constantly praise your clients while you're working with them. Tell them how good they look. Tell them how much you love that. Laugh, encourage them. You are the cheerleader in this situation. So that's my first thought that comes to my mind when you say this happens almost every session. My first thought is, and this is like, blunt, honest truth, you might want to reevaluate your process as the photographer and how much you are speaking to them. So in response to, you know, how do I respond then in those situations? My first thought is don't be afraid 
to speak the truth. Like you said, you know, I don't, I don't want to respond, you know, uh, negatively or against what they are saying, but don't be afraid to reply with your truth in response to what they're saying. So for example, I once had a girl say that she thought her hands were ugly and I straight up laughed at her and was like, I legit was just taking that close up of your hands because I think your hands are feminine, beautiful, and yet so strong. And I love them. And she I could tell it meant so much to her and she never mentioned her hands again. And I saw her really loosen up with them after that comment. So the bottom line is you can speak your truth in response to what they're saying if that ever comes up during a session. And if your clients are feeling the need to point out their insecurities during their sessions, I would say if that's, see if that's something that you can mitigate as the photographer, if that's something that you've caused and it's, it's something you can stop. So a few other really quick thoughts on how to respond in those moments when a client does, no matter how much you're praising them, no matter how much you're doing, all of that stuff. If they do respond with an insecurity, my encouragement would be to share a personal journey, like your own personal journey through self-image. So give a personal example and an experience um, that can be so much better received than, you know, preaching or you're wrong or, you know, girl, shut up, like, you know, all of that stuff. If you're able to share like, oh man, I used to struggle with the exact same thing. I thought, you know, whatever, insert insecurity here. I thought blank. And I just learned through time that it was holding me back from living life the way that I wanted to. And I learned to embrace, you know, X, Y, and Z and that type of thing. You can share your personal journey and that might encourage and inspire. And, you know, don't be afraid in that moment too, to speak and say, I actually noticed your, you know, hands, like the girl, like I was taking a close up of your hands because I thought they were so beautiful. Um, so speak into that as well from your perspective. And then the other thing, that I think can be sometimes helpful in speaking to insecurities and body image and all of that is inviting them into dialogue as you go through your process, as you're walking into location, whatever, you know, outfit changes, all anything like that. I would invite them into the dialogue of like, you know, I've been noticing lately that so many people in today's culture have self-image issues. Like you mentioned, you know, X or, you know, and I've struggled with insecurity Y. And I'm just like, I like, why do, why is that such a, a, pervasive part of our culture today. Like why do so many people struggle with their self-image or their insecurities and all that stuff? Inviting them to open up that can of worms so that they're not sitting there feeling, you know, alone or, you know, all of that. Just break down the walls of, you know, taboo topics and begin to talk about that. If they've brought it up, you know, open that can of worms, open that door and just take away the, you're alone. You're the only person who struggles with it. You, how dare you, you know, like feel this way or whatever, just kind of break that down. But my bottom line encouragement to any photographer dealing with or you know, facing clients who are feeling the least bit insecure is you have such an incredible opportunity to speak life and to speak identity into your clients. So do not take that for granted. Do not be so focused on the perfect shot or the perfect settings or the perfect, you know, X, Y, and Z that you forget that you have people in front of your camera who need to be given like words of affirmation, who need to be told how well they're doing, and who need to be told how incredible they are in your eyes and in God's if you're a believer. So those are just a couple of thoughts. I hope that was helpful, Courtney. But my bottom line encouragement is 
you set the tone for the session. So set it well. All right, moving on to question number two. This comes from Carrie Ann, and she said, what is the best way to hook them, quote unquote, after an inquiry? I get tons of interest and then crickets. Help, am I boring? All right, Carrie Ann, I'm gonna cut it to you straight. I guarantee that you aren't boring, but your client experience may be. So what are you doing to set yourself apart from the competition? Now, most clients are reaching out to at least a handful of people at once to find the right fit, get quotes, so on. So what are your emails? What is your process that sets you apart and makes people see why you're different and why they should pick you? Now, your initial response email, this is the first thing that I will say, it has to be different than thank you for reaching out. Congratulations on this project. We would be delighted to serve you please read the prices below. Thank you. Like (laughs) you literally cannot respond like that. But I see a lot of vendors, a lot of entrepreneurs responding in their emails that way because they consider that professional. I'm just going to say every single freaking vendor, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small business owners are probably using verbiage and layouts like that. So screw it. Screw that. How can you bring your personality into that first email? So for example, my initial response emails are so long. They're basically a novel and it's so hyped. It's a little bit scary. I mean, I don't hold anything back. If I scare someone off with that first email, they probably couldn't have handled me in person (laughs) anyways. And I reiterate a ton of stuff on my website, including who I serve best and who I don't. Yes, in my first email, I am staying stating repel and attract. I'm stating I'm for you or I'm not for you. And so I would reevaluate that first email and think through how can I show who I am, who I serve best, why I might be different from my competition and why they should pick me above Sally down the road. Another thing about the first emails and moving into a little bit more of like the pricing guides and all of that, I would put your pricing and your pricing guide in the first email. It is a really long, detailed, and fun way to show why you're the best freaking human they could ever choose. So for example, throughout the guide, have reviews, have an entire section of what it looks like to work with you and what sets you apart from the competition. Prove to them throughout the entire pricing guide the quality as well as the details involved that you're worth the investment, no matter how big or small that investment is. Show through literally every single detail of the guide that you are worth it. Have a section introducing yourself and building connection with them right away and then set expectations, serve those potential clients and walk them through every single step of the process throughout the entire pricing guide. Now that looks, that starts at the very beginning of what makes me different, the experience of working with me, you know, who am I? Why should you pick me? What are my prices? And what does that investment include all the way through the next step of booking? So make sure, in my opinion, putting your pricing guide in that first very long detailed email is a very long detailed pricing guide showing your worth through every single step of the process is a game changer. And yes, you will still get ghosted by clients who aren't the right fit. But if you've done your work ahead of time on like your, your website, your social media, anything like that, you will, your ghosting will drop to basically nothing. 
So when it comes to pricing guide, I just want to drop something in here really fast. <clears throat> you may want to stay tuned for something uh, coming this fall along these lines. So that's all I'm going to say. Um, one last thing that I kind of mentioned you have to make sure your communication on your website is lining up with your email communication, your pricing communication, all of that. So you may be getting a ton of inquiries from the wrong people because they're not being repelled on your website. Then when they get to your inbox, they realize it's not the right fit. And that's why ghosting has happened. So pay attention to your communication from the very beginning of the process. It starts on your website. It goes immediately into your first email and in your pricing guide and into your subsequent and following emails, your consultations, all of that. But those are my number one, like top tips. If you're feeling that you get a ton of interest, but then it's crickets, you need to step up your client communication and show why you're worth it and why they should choose you above anyone else. So if you're struggling with your website communication or anything like that, or ghosting, all of that, go listen to episode number two and episode number 26 of this podcast for even more anti-ghosting and client communication help. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing, right? Freaking yes. I've definitely been there, and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. Guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com slash content or click the link in the show notes. Now go kick some butt and create some content. Hey, Heart fam. We had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. 
That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. All right, moving on. Jada, I believe that's how you pronounce your name. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Jada said, first steps into finding your branding style. What's the best site to use to create a website? So kind of a twofold question, and I think this one should be a pretty easy answer. I want to say first and foremost, finding your branding and your branding style takes time and is absolutely something that will continue to evolve over time. So keep that in mind. I'm consistently changing my branding style as I grow, as I change, as my brand and company continue to grow and change with me. So don't be afraid to start somewhere and then continue to grow over time. But if you are finding and hunting for that branding style, not even sure where to start, my biggest tips would be Pinterest. Don't we all love it? It's the great handy tool. (laughs) I would say to hunt around and build out a Pinterest board of all of the vibes, the colors, the styles, etc. that have caught your eye and then go back through that board as you've just been randomly, you know, pinning, 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 go back and notice any consistencies and themes and then hone it on your style that way. So it may take you a few boards or a few rounds of revisions and narrowing down, but that should help you kind of realize what your eye is most drawn to. If you're able to see the consistency across the board of, wow, I really like this minimal modern look, or no, I really love this boho, you know, fluid look or something like that. It just helps you kind of narrow into what you're looking for, what colors you're drawn to, what styles you're drawn to, all of that. And then you can begin to build your brand from there. So to answer the second part of your question, what is the best site to use to create a website? Lindsay and I both use ShowIt for all of our sites and we love it. And super exciting. Lindsay and I have a code for you with ShowIt if you want to test them out and try. It's our favorite website. It's super easy to customize, to navigate, to update, even if you're not a web designer of any kind. But if you want 10% off your first annual subscription, the code is HEART10. Seriously, Lindsay and I can't say enough good things about Show It. We love them. We use them for all of our sites. Seriously, so helpful, especially for someone who's not uh, graphic design trained and web design trained. It's super easy to navigate to customize to update all of those good things. So Jada, hopefully that helps you get started on finding your branding style and then creating your first website. On to the next question. This is from Emma and it is a good one. She asks, how do you and Lindsay do it all? What does your routine look like? I've just read deep work, but with two young kids, I'm still struggling to be productive rather than busy and overwhelmed. I want to give a few prologues to my thoughts here. First of all, mama, you are doing great. Juggling work and young kids is freaking hard and I have so, so, so much respect for you. So don't deny the fact that raising your kids, keeping them alive, loving on them is just as important as working, you know, in your business or anything else like that. So please recognize you are crushing it and give yourself a little bit of grace that you can find your routines and your balance over time. And there are going to be days when you crush it and days when you suck. And that's just how it goes. The other thing I want to say is that Lindsay and I don't do it all. And I think any entrepreneur will say that because there is always more to do. There's always more to be done. There's always more being added to the list. So learn to give yourself grace 
learn how to prioritize, and then to not be overwhelmed by the more that will always be on your to-do list. Because I don't know if anyone out there can confidently say that they're always ahead of what needs to be done. Because I guarantee you, even if you are ahead of deadlines, I guarantee you there's always more on the list. At least that's my personal experience with myself, with Lindsay, and with every single other entrepreneur I know. There's always going to be more. So learn how to navigate that more in life and do it in such a way where you do feel like you're productive and you're ahead, even though there may still be more stuff on the list, which I'll kind of get into in a second. But the final thing that I wanted to say before I dive into more thoughts and everything is that everyone's routines will look different. So find and build a routine that works for you. My routine in this season of life with no kids, no husband yet, you know, all of those things is going to look very, very different from even Lindsay, who has a husband and a baby. So pay attention that your routine is going to be unique. Even if you're in the exact same season of life, I have a feeling your routine would look different from mine if I was in the exact same season. Everyone just handles different structure, different life scenarios, different lifestyles, everything very differently. So Keep that in mind and give yourself grace to find what works best for you. So onto a little bit more of an in-depth answer and thoughts to the struggle between feeling productive versus busy and overwhelmed. Now, Deep Work is obviously one of my favorite books ever, and I reread it regularly because it's just so dang good and there's so much in it. But I will say Deep Work talks more about how to lock in on a task and get it done, not necessarily as much on how to prioritize your tasks and deadlines. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs still struggle, even after reading the book, which might be what you're feeling, because you can't just lock in on a Deep Work task and knock it out of the park when that's an unnecessary Deep Work task in that moment. So I think something that I've been learning and a lot of entrepreneurs I think are struggling with is learning how to prioritize tasks, especially as a busy person and especially as a mom. So some questions you can ask yourself when working to prioritize your tasks in your list are one, what is going to move the bottom line in your business? Two, what is going to impact your family and your life the most? For example, quality time with family and time for rest would go in here. Number three, what is most urgent or due the soonest? And then number four, what is due down the road? A week, a month, a year, you know, whatever. So begin to triage based on that information and assign due dates to your tasks and projects. This will help you so much as you head into each week, each day, each month, knowing that while yes, there are a hundred tasks on your list, you only have to tackle one today, five this week, 10 this month, et cetera. It, it gives you that ability and that flexibility to rest knowing that it'll all get done in a prioritized timeline. So time management and productivity are such an intricate and involved process. But my biggest encouragement to you, if you're still feeling, Emma, that you're still struggling with being productive rather than busy and all of that stuff is learn how to prioritize what's most urgent and make sure in that you're including time with your kids, time with your family, time to rest, all of that stuff. And you're assigning, okay, today I may, you know, work on X project, you know, batching blog posts for random example. 
But after I batch blog posts, I'm going to answer a few emails and then I'm going to hang out with my kids. I'm going to make them a meal. I'm going to clean the house and I'm going to spend some time while they're napping, reading a book or just having quality time to myself. To me, that's one of the best things you can do in your life instead of just they go down for a nap and you're suddenly feeling, oh my gosh, I have a hundred things to do. What do I focus on? And then your brain is just short circuiting, trying to, to focus on one thing, but also trying to juggle all the other tasks that are still in your brain. When you wake up that day and know, okay, blog blogging, that's my number one thing. I need to batch some blog posts today. And the rest of the day is just a couple of smaller tasks, like picking up the kitchen and, you know, answering some emails and things like that, it'll just help you stay so much more focused and feel more productive because you've knocked off what was on that list for that day. You don't need to tackle a hundred tasks at once. You just need to tackle them in systematic prioritized order one day at a time. So I hope that helps you a little bit more. I want to have so many more conversations on the topic of time management and productivity. It is on my list to create tons more resources for everyone struggling with this because trust me, you are not alone, Emma. So many people deal with this and I have dealt with it as well. So, and I still deal with it. Let me just clarify that. I don't want to be like, I've mastered it. I have not. There are still days and weeks and months where I feel the exact same way. And this is just a learning process for all of us. So Hopefully I'll have a ton more resources coming out super soon for you on this topic, but I hope this begins to answer that question of why you might still be feeling like you're struggling and feeling overwhelmed and busy, even though you read a really great book on deep work and how to focus. All right. And then the final question of the day is from Elizabeth who said, how do you write slash think of caption ideas? So This is such a great question, and I have a lot to say on this, but we have a whole episode on this too. So if you haven't already, go listen to episode number six if you need more thoughts and ideas on how to write captions that convert and everything like that. But I take a lot of feedback from my ideal client. So making sure I'm asking questions, I'm listening to what they're saying. What are they struggling with? What questions do they have? How can I serve them? All of that. And then I you know, create lists based off of that. But I also write down ideas whenever inspiration strikes. So I have dozens of notes in my phone, on my computer, all of that with random caption ideas. And I use that as inspiration when I'm going to batch captions and all this stuff. So one other quick tip on this, if you struggle with writing or anything like that, you can also use voice memos to word dump your thoughts and then compile those into neat captions down the road. So one other thought I would have is how to, you know, how to think of captions and all of that stuff. Note the places that you feel the most inspired and get the most ideas. For example, you know, in the shower, when you're driving, if you're talking to a friend, harness the power of those times of inspiration and intentionally make time for seeking those flowing ideas. So I know that I get a lot of inspiration when I'm talking to a few specific friends on like, they just inspire me in life and business. They, you know, have similar audiences and, and client bases where they they say something and it suddenly sparks an idea, all that stuff. I also get a lot of inspiration in my time with the Lord and when I'm driving. So I intentionally, if I'm struggling with coming up with content ideas or caption ideas, I'll intentionally carve out time to spend time with the Lord, to go for a drive or to talk to a friend to help get those ideas flowing. So make sure you pay attention to when the inspiration strikes in what scenarios. And then if you need to carve out time to get those creative juices flowing. One final tip for you, Elizabeth, is to break up your content 
that can be captions, that can be blogs, that can be resources, all of it, into content pillars. So for example, a few of those could be educational, serving your customer with helpful information, you know, education, all that stuff. Inspirational, something to inspire and encourage, to lift them up. Or entertaining, something funny, beautiful, a story, an anecdote, you know, whatever. Everyone has different content pillars. So I would encourage you try to discover yours and then use those as a basis to help you plan and draft captions. When you kind of have that that outline and the structure of, I need to create, you know, one educational resource, one inspirational resource, and one entertaining resource for this upcoming week's captions, that kind of helps you sit down and begin to pull together these ideas and think through, okay, go back to those questions. What is my ideal client struggling with? What questions do they have? How can I serve them? How can I relate to them? How can I show them that I care, that I'm here for them? You know, that type of thought process when you have that structure, they go hand in hand so well together. So those are just a few beginning basic thoughts of how I go to write and think of caption ideas, voice memos, dump listing, you know, inspiration and thoughts, harnessing those places of inspiration, and then breaking up my content into content pillars. So I have a structure of what I'm going off of. So once again, if you want more help with captions, go listen to episode number six. And that's a whole episode dedicated to caption writing. Okay, deep breath. I think I did it. (laughs) I am so excited that we got to sit down and chat today. I hope this was so helpful for you. If you like today's episode, screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Evie Rupp and then tag the Heart University for our education company. And I hope that you go out, you kick butt, that this was helpful information for you. And I know we'll be chatting soon on the next episode. So in the meantime, come join us on our Facebook community. We have a great squad of entrepreneurs and just creative geniuses over there. So make sure you're a part of the gang and we're able to all chat, hang out, support each other, answer questions, all that good stuff. And I will see you on the next episode. So go have a good week, kick butt, and I'll talk to you soon.